market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber along with Jim Cramer. Carl has the morning off. Let's give you a look at futures as we get ready to wrap up the trading week when we begin a half hour from now. It's, it turns nine o'clock. And that does take us to our roadmap. It begins with, well, what you're seeing, another fall in futures. The S&P is on track for what would be its worst month since 2011, Hmm. with stocks set to post what would be the fourth straight week of declines. And uh, as often is the case at this time, there is some vaccine news, at least one candidate saying they will have a billion doses ready by early next year. And later, a $22 billion public debut. What are we going to make of Palantir's latest valuation as it gets ready for that direct listing? We will begin, though, this morning with, of course, stocks, futures. You saw them. They indicate an additional testing of that 3220 level on the S&P. We're also talking about the possibility, however remote it might seem, of a relief package coming out of Congress, given some uh, conversation, Jim, between uh, Secretary Mnuchin and... um, Speaker Pelosi, you think there's a chance? I know that they both care uh, passionately about small business. If you look at the testimony yesterday uh, by Secretary Mnuchin, he mentioned restaurants a couple of times. Uh, that's where the, uh, the Yelp numbers that we get, Yelp, yikes, says our VC, uh, where the real damage is. Uh, you're starting to talk about 50% of the bars and nightlife being closed in this country. That's way too big. Uh, and I think that the secretary is really alluding to that. David, I, I, do I think there'll be a deal? I think there's a sense that both sides feel uh, a deal's bad for them. Uh, in other words, if they give, if there's a stalemate, they'll somehow do better at the election. I, I don't think that's true, but who am I? But David, in terms of the stock market, you want the stimulus and a lot of this back and forth that, that makes it so this month's been the worst in, in, in nine years has to do with the fact that people have given up on Washington trying to get more money. So uh, it's a good reason to sell, but it's almost over. And how many more people need to be convinced there's no stimulus uh, I think that, therefore, the market is it's probing a bottom. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it would be quite a surprise for the market, yes. one would expect, if we were to get one. We should mention there's various reports of a, of a new Democratic effort in terms of a price tag of between 2.2 and 2.4 trillion. Obviously, that is down uh, from the bill that was passed. Right. Jim, and, you know, we had Mark Meadows on, man, it's, what is it, it's a couple of weeks now. I mean, he did sound the chief of staff, of course, uh, for uh, President Trump. He did sound positive then. I really, he almost had me convinced I, that they would be willing to sort of end up around a $2 trillion number, which, if these reports are correct, you're certainly not that far from right now. Look, I, uh, I think we could arrange a deal, David. You and I, we could go down there, hammer some heads and get a deal done. It'd be great for the American people, great for small biz, where the real pressure is. It's not in large, but, you know, there's... There's probably 10 firms today that, up, that upgrade or raise their numbers for Darden, which is Olive Garden. Yep. They don't say the truth. The truth is, is that Olive Garden's a winner because they can afford to take the tables out for sit-down dining and be able to have uh, curbside pickup. And all the small guys can't. So by, by default, we're all going to Olive Garden. And I wish that somehow people would say, although I like Olive Garden, that that's not the way we want no, you want, as you, to your point, and what Secretary Mnuchin was talking about, you do want to sort of target the aid. And many people have been talking about that, to the, what you're talking about, Jim, which is the, the smaller businesses. A lot of them are restaurants that are not chains that are dependent on people coming in or at least are sitting there right now. I mean, in New York right now, it's 
nice because there's tables everywhere all over the place outside. But it's getting colder. And um, and soon enough, it's unclear what people are going to be willing to do in terms of inside. And many of these restaurants that are at least hanging on may not be able to make it through the winter. No, David, but I do uh, reference the fact that this morning uh, for three ninety nine, you can get an incredible spiral flame warm heater for outside. Two hundred dollars cheaper than uh, Amazon. Where? At Costco. Oh, at Costco. Yeah, yes. And what I would tell you is, is that Costco initially underestimated. You have to assemble that, I think, right? Well, okay, so come over and assemble mine. Uh, yeah, you come over and assemble it's, mine. It's an Allen wrench, right? I mean, who's Allen? I don't know. You're Who still working. On, you're, you're working on the new set we got going on there, so you know oh, what's I gotta, happening. Man, I got to get my, I got to get my uh, Phillips head. We're you know, Phillips, Phillips head is the, the one big one. debut. It's the Chef one Smith's show, tougher. yeah, next week, and Jim has been helping put together the set because well, it's very it's, close to his. It's own. everybody's. It's every. <laughs> yeah, well, let's just say that uh, the Costco quarter was, I think, the dominant thing last night, and. I, I, I loved it. Costco goes down because we all knew. Why? Because they give us monthly. They spent a lot of money uh, on, on uh, COVID and on their employees. Will you send me the link for that outdoor heater? Because need, I need one, too. You do? Yeah. I uh, need a couple if I can get them. Just go to the, okay, so you just go to Costco. Yeah. Uh, it's a clunky, it is a clunky e-commerce site, but they were still up 91%. I know, 91%. Uh, and, just in, and, and just put in outside heater. Okay, I'll okay. take care of that. It okay. is, uh, the, it's a bargain. And David, when you think about why the analysts are upset about Costco, they're thinking that once the pandemic is solved, People will stop going there. I think it's the opposite. Once the pandemic is solved, you you will know exactly what a bargain it really is, and you won't go away from it. People like cheaper things. You spend $281 million to keep your employees happy. I think that's absolutely fine. And then you get the spiral flame patio heater. David, spiral flame. Spiral flame patio heater. Okay. Same heater, Amazon, $599. Okay. Amazon may be convenient. But America likes a bargain. They do. And it's actually a good point to make that oftentimes if you do at least not just hit the immediate the button, the buy button on Amazon, you will find oftentimes the same product cheaper on other Typically places. Costco. So I yeah. like the stock very much. Obviously, there are institutions who are trying to offload it ever since it reported the number. Right before the number they were selling, after an unbelievable call, Rich Glanny, uh, so one why, of my favorite why, CFOs. I mean, the stock's down a bit, uh, you know, but why, uh, why uh, after what you're describing is a very strong quarter, as you point out, 91% increase in e-commerce? E-com. They're still not good in e-com by their own admission. I think that because nobody's ever, this is a typical pattern. For Costco, mm-hmm. it goes down. They're also they have 30 billion in cash. So there were some wags who were expecting a special dividend and were disappointed. People are disappointed with Costco. I, I don't know. Maybe they don't like the fact that they had to get rid of some of the, the uh, samples because of uh, COVID. But uh, to be disappointed in Costco is to be disappointed in the best retailer in the world. They're going to open two in China. They're opening one in Spain despite COVID. They're doing so many good things. But the analysts are never satisfied with Costco. Never. And they always think, I'm going to say it, they always think they overpay the employees, David. The employees are the highest paid retail employees I in the I know. Country. We've talked about this for years. And, of course, the comparison is one that we've made with Walmart or even Home Depot or any number of the other big guys out there. Walmart has obviously increased their pay. But, yes. but Costco has been ahead on this for years. They pay the most and they have the most generous benefits as well, don't they, Jim? And that's why when you go to Costco, uh, you see the same uh, associates and you always have the same managers. And you can talk to them and suggest this or suggest that. Uh, look, I once said, look, I, to my manager, I, I think that your roasts are the best roasts I've ever had. 
So then you come back the next time. It's like, hey, are you going to get a roast again? I mean, it's the kind of thing. It doesn't happen, David. It doesn't happen right. in a safe way. As much as I think that, you know, that Albertsons is too cheap. Acme, you go there. They don't really aware what you buy. I found that at Costco, they always know that I like the crab legs. But Always. Back to the larger point here that you've made in so many different areas is the big seem are going to get bigger at the end of this. Yes. They already already are. And they are going to be even more dominant than they were going into the pandemic. And Costco was seemingly is seemingly an example of this. Right, Jim? Two cars, Again, David. you say that Two they still have a long way to go in e-commerce and yet they're up 91 percent, 120 percent. If you include uh, Instacart uh, in there, um, and they have a long way to go. So when they get on the other side of this with all the new members, membership was up 5.4 percent year over year in the fourth quarter. And by the way, that is in keeping. That's right. the level that they typically have. Right. You're, you're spot on. I mean, look, two carts. I mean by that that their aisles are so wide that you can get two carts through it. So therefore, you're much less fearful. They were the first uh, retailer to say, listen, you got to wear a mask. It caused some uh, uh, some fights at the beginning, but it turned out to be something that made it so it was safer. They credit that for one of the reasons why they had double digit same store sales. Uh, it, remember, this is the second largest retail in the world. So you can get a really good read of things. Uh, and they used to rebel against the whole uh, natural organic move, David. Mm-hmm. And then they decided to get religion. And now they're the dominant one. And they first were reluctant or didn't really sense e-commerce. And now they're going by their own admission. They still have a lot to do. What number was not that great? Well, you have a tremendous travel breaks. Uh, Costco has, has great. Uh, people don't even know that they have travel. They have cars. But travel's not been that strong. And uh, hearing aids. And that's been a fantastic hearing, hearing aid business. The hearing aids are so overpriced. Costco has the best, but they had, the, they had a number of right TVs, electronics. They were terrific patios. They managed to get that. Remember, people don't they buy homes and they don't want to entertain inside. That's right. why I mentioned that particular uh, heater for you to get so that you can get that when you're outside and Thank you, you can continue to entertain. We are going to get on that immediately. And if I have to put it together over the weekend, I will do that. Um, Did Jim, you order it while I was talking? No, I haven't ordered it yet. I haven't ordered it yet. You better. They're going to be a, there's going to be a run on. I know. I know. You can't find them in most places. Rich Glanty, David, the CFO. Yeah. He's about 10 times smarter than the analysts. Sometimes he just has fun with them. Sometimes he just has fun. I mean, this whole concept of treating the employees well, he loves the fact that that's a good thing. And that the analysts want to, like, save money. I mean, come on. Think about what they've built here based on the fact that they pay top wages. Yep. It's, oh, it's, it's textbook, it's, uh, and it's right. one that they study as well. Um, Jim, let's uh, quickly check in on vaccine news. We've got some headlines on potential vaccine candidates, uh, both AstraZeneca and Novavax. Let's go to Meg Terrell, check in with her on what's going on. Meg. Good morning, David. Novavax uh, announcing yesterday afternoon it started its phase three vaccine trial in the UK, where it's going to enroll up to 10,000 participants uh, ages 18 to 84. Uh, We talked with Novavax's uh, chief of research, Dr. Gregory Glenn, yesterday uh, about enrolling there in the UK. Here's what he told us. Looks like the UK is going to have a massive surge in cases and we'll be there. So that's going to be the art is getting enough cases to, to, you know, declare success. Now, of course, guys, we are also seeing a surge in cases in the United States, and Novavax is on track in a few weeks to start its phase three trial here. That's expected in October. Meanwhile, some headlines on AstraZeneca this morning uh, in a deal reached with the EU reported by Reuters uh, for the EU government to cover any potential liability uh, from potential side effects from that vaccine if they arise. 
uh, this in a deal to supply the vaccine at a lower price. Reuters comparing this with a deal the government there struck with Sanofi to pay four times as much per dose uh, for the vaccine and to not provide that kind of liability protection. Now, here in the United States, this kind of protection is uh, a, a regular thing. We've had this for decades uh, in order to provide sort of cover for vaccine makers to feel like this is a good business to be in, uh, just concerned about liability. Uh, however, guys, everybody developing these vaccines will emphasize they are not sacrificing safety for speed as they go through this process. Back over to you. Yeah, well, it's a key and it's a theme and, and a question that we'll continue to, uh, to discuss, Meg, given people's concerns about whether or not it is being rushed, despite what is, of course, um, what we get from the companies. Meg, thank you. Um, Jim, on the subject of vaccines, I know you had the CEO of Sanofi on last night. Uh, let's take a listen to what he had to say in terms of their ability to produce uh, a vaccine and how many dosages. We're going to produce over a billion doses of vaccine worldwide for COVID-19. We are already in human studies. We're adding, we're manufacturing doses pretty much right now and will be available some point early next year. A billion doses. Yeah, but look, these—that's it's a vaccine company. Sanofi's a vaccine. They know vaccines, and they're teamed up with Glaxo, which is the second big vaccine company. Uh, you know, I wanted Merck to be huge in vaccine because they're fantastic. But look, Sanofi understands how to do it. And they, when I asked them about how that that level seemed almost fanciful to me, uh, Paul Hudson said, "No, that's what we do." So you've got a lot of companies that are in the race for the vaccine. You've mentioned Novavax. We know Moderna. But I, I think you want to go with the guys who have done it for years. Uh, this is study. It's not like uh, the J&J, &J, which is here. But I, I like what I, what I hear from these guys. And I like the fact that Novavax is right. You have to go where there is a resurgence of COVID-19 in order to be able to have enough people to be exposed so that the placebo has a difference from the actual vaccine. So, I, the, yes, it's true. You should be doing your tests over there because they seem to have gotten sloppy. I think that's an OK word to use. Some people would just say they've uh, lost their discipline. David, they have lost their discipline big over there. The U.K. wanted everyone to go back to work. I know. Well, the U.K. is now coming out with significant restrictions once again on people's ability to go to work and a lot of other things, Jim, which is being watched closely in terms of the impact it's going to have on that economy. It's funny when you hear somebody say, well, it will allow us to be successful. That is because they have so many more cases, you can find people for the trials. Oof. Well, that's really the only positive I've heard about yeah, having more cases. I know. Uh, some, of the, some of the countries, the death rate versus the case load is just terrible, too. I mean, I know we're all focused on the U.S., but one of the things I, and of course, well, we're here. But one of the things that I like about this Abbott Labs test is we might actually see, once you start testing everybody, that our rate isn't as bad. I mean, that's my hope. But uh, over in the U.K., they, let's just say they have lost control of COVID-19. All right, we'll take a quick break here. The opening bell, of course, uh, about 15 minutes away. Stay with us. We're back in just a moment. Another big public debut coming next week. Uh, Wall Street Journal reporting as well. Palantir going to be valued at around $22 billion when it opens next Wednesday. Jim, I'm looking through one of my notebooks here because I've been talking to a number of the investors there some time back. And by the way, they were using the $20 billion number then, too. Yeah. Not sure it was really news, but... Uh, in some ways. But uh, what, what I did learn from the journal, actually, which I did not know, was this lack of governance. I mean, if, you're, if you want good governance, the idea that the, some of the 
largest shareholders can actually sell down but still keep, if not increase, their voting power. That's a new one. Um, and then there's the lockup, which that is what I've been talking to a couple of these large holders about in the past, where it was going to come down in terms of they were going to have this unusual lockup. Remember, on a regular IPO, yeah, you have a lockup. But on a direct listing, which this is, that would be kind of a, would have been a new feature. How much of your shares could you actually sell? And they're only going to let them sell, the journal says, 20%. They'd sort of been debating where they were going to end up there. So if they're correct, that's a good number to keep an eye on. And then we'll just see how the stock does because, again, we haven't had that many direct listings. Uh, Spotify, Slack uh, are the two ones I can think of. And, you know, it'll, it's always an interesting test of the market. Uh, Spotify, I, in retrospect, was mispriced, even though it went down from where they originally did, because people didn't understand Spotify's direction, uh, which was podcasts. And then you started signing up some very big people for the podcast. You saw the explosion in, in listening podcasts, and the stock finally doubled. Uh, Palantir, when I read that they could sell down and have more votes, I mean, kind of a yunker state over there, I, I said, who... <laughs> All right, a sucker's born every minute if you want that. But, David, a lot of people don't even care about corporate governance. They're so used to A and B shares and, you know, companies that just don't, that the, where your vote means nothing, that uh, they, the people don't even think about it. I think you and I think about it because we don't, we don't think it's fair. But, yeah. They don't seem to care. Listen, I mean. Fairness got nothing to do with it. No, there are these voting structures are in place, not not necessarily where you come down and you accrete up and voting power as your economics decline. But <laughs> Facebook has obviously got special voting stock. I mean, many of the many of the companies we know very well have that. And it hasn't seemed to impede their ability to attract new investors or for those that have a structure like uh, with significant voting power that's not equal to economics going into an IPO. It hasn't affected their uh, their ability to sell the stock either. No, look, I, I think that these are things where uh, people say, OK, uh, it, it's a company, security, cloud. Uh, it's got all the right buzzwords. And then they look at it and they are going to say, look, that's an interesting stock price. It, it comes around 10. Of course, the actual dollar price, David, means absolutely nothing except for the Robin Hood people. Right. right. Well, you know, on that note, what do you, do you have any expectations here? Again, it's a direct listing. So it's not like there's a book here that they've got together of everybody who's put in their order. And we're not talking about raising any primary capital for the company. Just to explain to people, it is right. selling shareholders, whether they be longtime investors, employees who have stock who can sell some of it as well. That's what's making the market, so to speak. And then it's going to be up to whoever steps up and what they want to pay. Well, it's a very hot area. And they have some truly, let's emphasize, they've got some uh, a hold on the security for a lot of government, which people really like. I think that's steadier business than, uh, than you get from a crowd strike, a Splunk. I mean, Palo Alto's got some. Uh, uh, Palo Alto valued very richly, but nowhere near as richly as I think we're going to be talking about this one. Uh, it is the right niche, and I think people will sell some of the great cyber security uh, and, and, and analytics companies like a Splunk that I had on last week to go buy Palantir. They're not going to look at that governance structure because it bores them. I mean, maybe Larry Fink will say something. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it won't fit their... Their parameters. I don't know. I still haven't found. I'm, I'm looking you, through. I, got, going you know, I have all these notebooks filled with notes from all from, I mean, months now. And I know I had a lot of notes on Palantir. I got a lot on Ant Financial, by the way. Let's not forget that. Going to be the largest IPO of all time. That's coming soon. It's just 
won't be listed here, Jim. You don't want it anyway, of course. No. Why would you but want I like the Alibaba, largest IPO David, of all time to you, list on a US You exchange? had me meet the Alibaba people, and they have American financials. And the stock was at 80 when you told me that I should be looking at it. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, 33% owned by uh, Alibaba. Remember, they stopped getting that dividend, but they have that 33% stake. And Financial, another name we'll be following closely, despite the fact that it will not be listed here in the United States. All right, here's a name that we have also been following. Nikola getting a boost today. Yeah, look, it's up 2% after what has been a very poor week for the stock. Still down more than 40% since Monday. We'll keep an eye on that. Nikola. And uh, we'll keep an eye on futures, of course, as we get you ready for an opening bell. Stay with us. Let's squeeze in a mad dash before we hit the opening bell. The cruise lines got your attention again. Yes. Well, we've already trashed some of the stocks that the Robinhood crowd is in, too. But, David, they love the cruise lines. And you see them trading at 4 a.m. in the morning when you watch our crawl. Well, guess what? Barclays says it's time. It's time. They had they hated them. Now you want to buy them. Why? Because in 2022, the so-called out years, they they are well above consensus. And get this, David, their view is the companies will be operating full fleet in 2022, inclusive of lucrative new ships. So buy them all. Now, before you buy them all, let me just tell you that if this fellow is too aggressive, I'm sorry, Felicia uh, Hendricks, if she's too aggressive, David, don't buy Carnival. Buy Norwegian. They raised the most money during the down days. They've got two years. Frank Del Rio. And apparently you're going to need two years. Yeah, I'm going to go with Frank. Frank's got a couple. But I want to go to the Alaskan cruise. I'm not in the Haven section. Okay. All right. I'll consider that. Okay. Opening bell on the other side of this break. Stay with us. I'll just put a provocative thought in here. There's actually an outside chance that U.S. GDP could reach the 2019 average level by the end of 2020, uh, you could call that a form of full recovery. I still expect uh, way above normal growth in the fourth quarter of this year and uh, first quarter, first half of next year, and so on uh, beyond that. Bullard. That was strange. That was Bullard, uh, Jim, talking about his expectations. Yesterday, you remember uh, Goldman's Jan Hatzius cut his GDP forecast right. largely because of the lack of, uh, of expectation now for something coming out of Congress, but in half, I think from six to three. Yeah, I, I think somewhere in between. Uh, Bullard's been red hot in the last three, four years. I, I really liked what he's had to say, but that, that seems aggressive to me. Uh, but there are a lot of companies, David, if you talk to them, if you talk to Horton and Lenar, if, if you talk to Costco, if you talk to Walmart, David, they say, yeah, that's true. Sales are very strong. Yeah. I remember David Berman a couple of weeks ago saying he's never seen anything like it. That was a great interview, David. Thanks. Here's the opening bells. Uh, this morning, you can see, of course, a uh, real-time exchange. We're going to see. It's, uh, we could put in uh, what would be one of the worst Septembers in quite some time. But, David, it's going to be. I mean, I said that the last 10 days of September have historically been bad. It's going to be even worse this year. And what this does, and this is what's really important to people who are getting very negative, it takes 1999 off the table, David. We never had this in the year leading up to the NASDAQ crash. Right. You made that point yesterday. We never oh, had this significant I mean, a pullback in some of the big high-flying names. Why did you have to say that, that I made seen. that? 
Yeah, I made it yesterday. Well, I think it's a salient point. You can make it twice. Oh, you can make it, and you will, I'm sure, make it many, many times. Well, but, but why did you bother? I mean, what do you I, mean, what, are you kidding me? I say the same thing over and over again every single day. Yeah, you have that notebook. What is that? that I, got, I don't do any homework. I got a you lot of notebooks. notebook. I'll bring you. you, want, you I want, see your I notebook. notebooks everywhere, notebooks. baby. I'll raise you a notebook. I got, they're coming out. Yeah. I make calls, too. That's something I do. I know. I know. Anyway, <laughs> anyway market looks bad. That's okay. All right? All right. And what's happening, I think, is, again, we're, we're churning to find a bottom. But, David, one thing that is absolutely certain, trying to find a bottom in the financials, murky, murky. Yeah, we come back to the financials. And, and I, I, you know, listen, we both know them well. We know right. many of the leadership at some of these banks well, which is another reason why. And here we are, down again, uh, at the early going here at least. David, how can Morgan Stanley be valued at eight times earnings with a 3% yield and more transactions than ever? How is that possible? How can it be down five points from a fantastic quarter? James Gorman's doing an amazing job. I ask you, how can that stock be where it is? Uh, listen, it's, it's not clear. It is, to be fair, the best performer of that group, so to speak, at least of what you want to call bigger cap investment banks slash commercial banks. Uh, but you're right. Uh, I, you know, I've made the point many times that it is, uh, even though it's still larger than Goldman Sachs, not market cap wise, it's going to close that E-Trade deal very soon. And that's a great deal. And they actually benefited a, uh, a lot from the pandemic at E-Trade, as we know. It's not just Robin Hood. We call them Robin Hood traders. But the, um, the number of new accounts open at E-Trade has been staggering. And Morgan Stanley owns that business. And nobody cares. I mean, it's just lumped in. I, by the way, there was an upgrade yesterday of Goldman, and on the heels of the incredible quarter from Jefferies, people actually bought into it. So what are they doing today? Of course, they're selling it. Do you, David, do you know how many people are trying to make a stand with Wells Fargo here at 23? What, based on what? That it's no. down a lot? No, you know, the reason we also come back to these, though, is because we have seen vicious rallies in the banks in the past. that Short do squeezes. finally, yes, but I can remember one at the end, man, the years now all, there was a, there was a, was it the end of 18 or was it the end of 19? There was a big run. That's for J.P. Morgan. Yes, big yes. Yep. And so you do wonder whether are we going to see that. Now, what fueled that back then? Was it the prospect simply of higher rates? Uh, yes. I mean, we were obviously in the midst of a very of a good economy that was continuing on a nice pace. But NIM. Yeah. It was about NIM. Yeah. It was about the interest margin expanding. We really cared about that. Now we try to care about whether the credit card debt is going to be bad. I mean, David, with City, with the, the tangible book value at 69 and the stocks at 41. I mean, no, what? You want to buy these. I can hear it. You want to, but you can't. No, because I'm afraid that the, I don't know, the Federal Reserve, they see some loan losses. Maybe they say, guys, let's shelve those dividends. So people who bought them looking for some fixed income are going to, you know, look, I don't. We have no idea this is going to happen. But we did see Wells, which has always had a remarkable dividend. We'll see you later. Right? Speaking of dividends, Jim, you know, um, and again, a sector that you have steered clear of. Uh, and oh, for God, good you're reason, going oil. You knew it. Oh. Take a look at ExxonMobil. You know what the dividend yield is there, right? Oh, the, it's 10.2%. So my question to you, Mr. Kramer, is... Is the market saying that ExxonMobil stock is undervalued and therefore will go up as the dividend yield declines to a more reasonable level? Or is there a real concern that it will be cut? You told me to look at the other side of the balance sheet, David. It's the credit side. Yeah. And uh, that says to me that they have to cut. I mean, this is one of the finest companies. They have 50-year view. Uh, just a few years ago, it was the largest company in, in America. Uh, but what have they done? They've not replenished the way that they should. 
they have been on some projects they paid way too much that they paid way too much for. And it's now Chevron that's king and Conoco that's regarded as being, which is upgraded today, uh, the best balance sheet. But who trusts these? We're go- David, this is the other side of the Tesla mania. It, 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 if Musk delivers a $25,000 car, a lot of people are very skeptical of that, yep. uh, then I think that what you're going to say is, wow, I mean, you got to get out of these. If California is right uh, as the leader of cars, uh, then you got to get out of these. And the demand has not come back. Uh, the Permian is oversaturated. David, there's another company. They bought a company. I don't know if you're familiar with the company Occidental, OXY. Okay. <laughs> That one is this going is to be a, a single-digit yes. midget when this is over. That's what we used to say on the trading desk. It's just yep. a, going to be, you know, geez, I guess socially that was bad. But that's what they used to call them. Yep. A- and, uh, David, the balance sheets, the balance sheets, the balance sheets. Um, the, you know, it's funny. They're coming closer now to its 52-week low after Oxy had sort of rebounded a bit. And yet the price see, of I mean, oil hasn't It doesn't hasn't look like much, down. but there's, a, yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. They're not levered to the price of oil. They're levered to the glut in America. Jim, you know, there's there is a good amount of press. I think it was earlier this week, though, on the European majors versus the ones you just mentioned. Even you mean the European Chevron. majors trying to be. Yes. Trying yes. to be green. Uh, BP, of course, sort of really forging uh, what they're going to try and be carbon neutral with right. the next. What is it? 15 years. Did someone tell them they're, they're an oil company, but they aren't. They're an energy company. Right. And that's an what they seem to want to believe that they are. And that's what they are now trying to execute on. Maybe well, that's not a bad path to go down. By the way, there is some. Some data that shows if you are following an ESG path, your cost of capital is going to be lower. That's not a bad thing. Well, why didn't anyone talk about the big wind deal? I mean, GE switching rapidly to wind. And wind is going to be very uh, reasonable. Uh, Brian Sullivan yesterday had the CEO, he had the head of FERC. FERC is, wants people to the Federal Energy Regulatory. They're very much more solar. Or they want you to return power to the system. It's certainly very retrograde. To policies of the president versus what yeah, wants he doesn't to do. like windmills at all. No, okay, well, and, he, well, he's, and yeah, he's, he's not particularly high on solar. He's he still likes coal Keogh, a lot. I'm concerned. Yeah, coal's kind yeah. of unfashionable. Um, but it is interesting the dichotomy between some of the big European companies and their decision making in terms of dealing with climate change, trying to have more of a, a green sheen uh, as opposed to our guys. Well, David, you know who is going to uh, get very big into hydrogen? Who? Oh, yeah, Nikola. BP. BP. BP was going to. Well, they were going to potentially, right? Yeah. I mean, the, but the then stations. the Hindenburg came along, which yeah. was a Zeppelin uh, that, frankly, uh, you know, it was what about half the people died? It was in Lakehurst, and uh, so it's that's the name of the research firm. But uh, I those s- shares are up now over six percent this morning. But Nikola, yes. Oh, oh buddy. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess people forgot about the the bogus truck. Now, well, look, we're probably going to see. Here's what I, I bet we see. That Gursky bought a huge amount of stock. Okay. Okay. And Jeff Bob and Value Act bought a huge amount of stock. And they're making a statement right here. They're doing that. That's what I would be doing if I were those guys. If yeah. you really believed, you'd believers. be in there buying stock. Right. Right now. Right. Don't know that they are? No, I'm saying that's what I'd do if I were them. That's how you have to prove it. Now, um, Milton Trevor came in and bought stock, and that didn't matter. Trevor, I admit, that's a joke because my father always said, "Don't trust men with uh, people with two we've first already, names." We discussed that, but that's I been right. Don't trust ones with who are bow ties, but, and then we both don't trust anybody who doesn't have a drink. Exactly right, yeah. but I do think that that Hindenburg scotched the BP deal. Yes, well, I you know you you don't know what they might have been able to accomplish in terms of executing on the vision 
if it hadn't been for that. Now it makes it more difficult. And by the way, David, that you could argue, wait a second, even if you think that they're a total joke, they had to deal with GM, GM where Still GM do. is going to be building trucks, and they had to deal with, uh, with BP, which wants very much to get hydrogen down to a reasonable price. And it would have been, if it weren't for Hindenburg, David, it would have been smooth sailing. But Hindenburg had to go and do its Lakehurst Act. Yep. Um, all right, moving on. Shares of Tesla, which we always like to hit, Listen, uh, yeah. are up 3% this morning. Um, you were very positive on Apple yesterday. Uh, you know, there was, there was a decent tone there in the market yesterday. It's down a bit, but well, nothing, Katie, nothing out, of, out of the ordinary. And Amazon shares are up after they introduced a lot of those products yesterday. You're going to get that drone that flies around your house to check on your security inside? I'm pretty confident inside. You are. I once had a bat in my house, though. That was flying around. Uh, I had to hit it with a vo- with a um, uh, I had to hit it with a lacrosse, a lacrosse stick. Yeah, it was yeah. awful. Okay, so Katie Huberty on Apple. I'm glad you mentioned it. Yes, she says it's time. Uh, says it's cheap. Why? Because store openings are beginning to accelerate. She uh, likes that uh, that J Bill, which no one's even talking about, reported good numbers. J Bill does uh, cell phone work for for Apple, and uh, you know, she's talking about uh, the Mac accelerating. Uh, it usually doesn't really matter that much, but she was. I think she was a bit straining to come up with something good, but the stock's down twenty percent, and I think it's a buy. Okay. I know you do. I think it's a buy. David, you know what we never talk about? What? The cannabis stocks. No, it has been a long time. There was a period where we discussed them a great deal. Stick a fork in them, David. We Ever since Aurora Cannabis reported where they said, look, business is going to be down. Mm-hmm. David, people tend not to want to buy stocks where the numbers are going to be down next year. And holy cow, the numbers are what, hideous. What happened there, Jim? Glut. That's and we it, never, right? it's just, it, it just glut. glut. Just and too much pot. Too much flour. Too much flour. Yeah, too much flour and... It's a nightmare for so investors. Flour. A lot of Robin, yeah. Hood, Robin Hoodies are in there. Right. Uh, and Aurora turned out to be far more important. It spiked when they first reported. I don't know why. Because the CEO is from the CPG business. And the first thing he said was like, look, we're doing terrible. I mean, that was, you know, that was my translation of the conference call. But mm-hmm. I mentioned only because that was an industry that was completely red hot, as is gambling right now. And I wonder how the Penn National deal is going to take place with the 14 million shares. Uh, already, if they we, were a little murky on where it was priced, but gambling has replaced uh, cannabis. No, and you saw, high. and you obviously also saw the uh, the uh, the news on William Hill that uh, British two. Facebook maker two yeah, two bidders, not two. one but two no, received two. separate cash proposals from Apollo uh, and uh, Caesars. Yeah, well, pen that. I mean, price the offering at sixty one. It's a sixty three. Yep. Talk about a good deal. I happen to like pen that very much. Uh, and why do I you know, look? We haven't mentioned Portnoy yet. Okay, Portnoy. Uh, but I like Penn National because they built an incredible network of physical casinos where they've actually figured out how to be able to do social distancing and still make money. Mm-hmm. Like Darden, where they can have a restaurant that only has 25% seating and make money. Jay Snowden, it went the anti Macau way. I'm over here. I know where you are. Jay Snowden from Penn National went the anti-Macau. He's a visionary, David. He's a visionary, but is there a plaque? Is there anything for him in Vegas? Uh, No. And that's an allusion to what? Bugsy Siegel. What Hyman Ross said about Bugsy Siegel. I got it. Mo Mo Green. Uh, Okay, well, you got it. We haven't mentioned Godfather either. Mo Green or Meyer Lansky, though? Well, Well, David, these are mythical characters. Oh, sorry. Okay, they're mythical um, all right, let's uh, move on from the mob and get to fixed income this morning. For that, we're joined by Rick Santelli. Good morning, Rick. 
morning, David. You know, we had some important data out this morning, but the issue with weak headline numbers for preliminary durable goods is that it's a volatile series on its final stages. So these numbers are definitely going to change. The bright spot is, having said that, that the proxy for capital spending in the form of capital goods orders non-defense X aircraft was really a good number. And there were positive revisions, but as you look at a two-day chart of the longest duration on the Treasury curve, 30-year bonds, you'll see the deterioration. Briefly, we traded under 139, so these are the new low yields, high prices of the week. As a matter of fact, if you open it up to a month-to-date chart, it's been three weeks since the 30-year bond has closed under 140. We want to pay very close attention and consider any of those lucky investors who bought any of the $155 billion record amount for the package of twos, fives, and sevens at this point before settlement next week are in the money in terms of it rallied right through their prices that they purchased those securities at. If we look at foreign exchange, it's been a wild couple of weeks, and most of it is because of the week in Euro, and most of the week in Euro is because of COVID spikes in Europe. Look at a mid-July start to the Euro versus dollar. Basically, it's at a two-month low, and you all know what that means, that basically the dollar index is at a two-month high. What, 57% of the dollar index is the euro, but it doesn't end there on euro weakness, even the other major currency, the yen. Look at a euro versus the yen. Uh, the euro is at the lowest level in more than two months. I believe the exact date is the 15th of July. We want to continue to pay very close attention to these changing dynamics and possible flows from the European markets potentially into other markets, and if we cool some of the spikes here. Maybe it'll be our markets. David, Jim, back to you. Rick, thank you. Rick Santelli with the bond report. Well, stocks are off to a bit of a soft start, although really the S&P's flat. We got the Nasdaq up a bit. Uh, we are, though, on pace for uh, what would be four straight weeks in the red. Stay with us. We're back in two minutes. A reminder, the preeminent investing conference of the year, Delivering Alpha, now just five days away, and the lineup this year is bigger than ever. Alpha is now in its 10th season, by the way. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to DeliveringAlpha.com if you want to learn more. Of course, register. We're back in a moment. Welcome back. Let's get to stop trading. You keep wanting to come back to General Mills. Well, because the analysts didn't seem to realize that General Mills is now back. The dividend's getting bigger again. Once again, they've got a fabulous stay-at-home uh, uh, line of offerings. It's very well managed. The dog food acquisition turned out to be well done. And they just don't, they didn't like it. I think they didn't like it because they thought that uh, the company overpaid for Blue Buff and then had to do a stock offering after buying a lot of stock back higher. I've got to tell you, I think they're going to be able to retain the customers that they've gotten during this period, they've taken share. And the algorithm, as they say, of uh, 2% sales growth and 6% earnings growth, I, uh, they say is intact. This is a note uh, by uh, Credit Suisse. I think it's going to be more than intact. I think General Mills has become is back to the days when we called it Generous Mills, and you can put it away, and I think you'll do fine, and you can reinvest the dividend, and you'll be a happy person. You've used that stock in the past, though, as a comparison, given where its multiple was, at least, as to why other stocks that are growing much or companies that are growing much faster are actually a better investment, even if they have a higher or equal multiple GIS. See, David, I, I totally agree. But I think that in this era of low interest rates, there are always going to be people who are drawn to a three and a half percent yield and want to know if the dividend safe versus, say, what you mentioned, Exxon. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, 10% on. yield that I don't think is safe. And I just think that it's worth it to point out stocks that I think can give you good, good yield uh, because that's what a lot of the, our viewers want. They just want to be able to get something that they can get some money back. 
Um, we started the show talking about Costco's earnings, Jim. I come back to it because the stock, and you're not surprised, but it's down almost 3% after what you thought was a strong quarter. Yeah, but that's not, you know, when you talk with management, it's, it's not, it's, it's typical of what's happened. This was a great quarter. A lot of people feel that spending $281 million on COVID is overpay. And like they said, they were disappointed that they didn't return some capital. I say, come on. Now, they're going to keep selling it all day because right now only 1.6 million shares have traded. Unlike that SunPower that you mentioned, what was that story? S- SUNW? It's not SunPower, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, the, Sun- uh, S- oh the, the energy company that yeah, I mentioned Sun the other Works. day? Yeah. They took Sun Micro symbol, SUNW. David, this thing had 200 million shares traded. Yeah. And there's, there's only, um, they, they only have 16 million float. So yeah. that's something. That well, the, no, it was the SEC. SPI Energy I mentioned the other day. Well, the SEC too, should be looking insane. at that. I mean, it's a tiny market cap, so we're not going to bring it up for you. But the trading in that the other day was right, right, truly was unreal. Is that the men in tights again? It could be. It could be. Don't those, you get yeah. tired of the men in tights? Well, I mean, you get tired of them in some way, Jim, but then you welcome them in others, don't you? Yes. And I'm referring to Robin Hood, the, new, the 13 million new valuation for Robin Hood. I welcome all of you aboard. And you ought to be thinking of owning a General Mills along with the Sunworks. Um, all right. Uh, as we head into the weekend here with this final trading, I'm looking at some names. Boeing has popped up a little bit, Jim. It's not a name we've talked about that often lately. I think Calhoun's going to uh, probably do some sort of charm offensive soon, don't you think? You think so? Yeah. Charming. Remember the days when we would talk about the... Uh, the max every day? Well, I also remember the days when we had 20-year order book. Remember the 20-year order book? I do. I do. $400 stock. Yeah. Putting people on the moon. Yep. Mars. The race to race, uh, race Elon Musk with Mars. How did Elon Musk get a better balance sheet than Boeing? That's something. That is something. Isn't that? Yes. Yes. He's Think awesome. of, I want you to ponder that over the weekend. Okay. I'll add that to my list. And get, the, uh, get my uh, heater, my space heater. Apparently they're already sold out. Yeah. They are? Yeah. Cost, they'll replenish. It's Costco. It's not space here. The they'll outdoor. replenish. They, they the have the outdoor. best supply chain in the Good. world. All right. I'm going to order one. I'm sure it will take me weeks to put together if it requires some sort of assembly. I, I'll call my wife. Uh, not that I've seen her lately, but Lisa. She's so handy. Handy with a Are drill. you going to see her? You are going to see her, though, aren't you? Maybe this I'll weekend? check in. You can check in? In person? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, the social distancing is... No, America wanted to make yeah, sure. Social, I social distanced my wife. I had a quarantine. I mean, everything. You did it all. I've done it all. Yep. Lisa, I'll see you. Lisa doesn't know I have a show in the morning, so no. it's okay. All right, good. Uh, well, speaking of that show that you have at night that she may be more aware of, what's on it? I have Brunswick, and this is important because Lisa and I have a 17-foot Boston Whaler. It's one of the most fun things we do, and it's the best social distance way. You go out there, man, you can just, you're COVID-free on a Brunswick. I, that's, ooh, they should, you're COVID-free on a Brunswick. I just came up with the, the next like sales pitch. Yeah. You feel good. You're okay there. You're happy to what you're in the front, somebody in the back. I mean, Lisa the wind's knows blowing. how to pilot it. There's a lot of wind. I know too. how to have I a six. I can do a six. She knows how to pilot. Mm-hmm. Do you know what a six is, Debbie? Probably don't know what a six is. No. Six pack. Oh, got it. Okay. You're not water skiing, are you? No. Okay. I like to fish, though. We'll go for stripers. We'll throw everything back because they have to be about 48 inches to keep. Um, but anyway, Dave, I want to wish you like the best weekend in, in the world. I will try and have it, Jim, and to you as well. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 